This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss of rotowire.com. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper, upper right-hand corner. Use my code RWPOD. Sign up now. Special offer for new users. You get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's over $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. All right, so the East Coast Offense Podcast again. This is Chris Liss, and I am with Yahoo Sports' Dalton Del Don, and we're going to mostly talk some baseball. Maybe there'll be a bonus. If you consider it a bonus, it may not. you may not consider it a bonus. Uh, talk about politics later on in the podcast. First off, Dalton, uh, what's going on, man? How are you doing since the last time we spoke? I'm doing well. Um, uh, I, I actually see you, what, Saturday for labor, right? All right, we're going to be uh, going against each other in the same league. So this is kind of a – we don't really want to give away all of our cards, right? Because you tell me who you like, I'll start bidding them up. It's, it, this could get ugly, this podcast. Yeah, I've been in the NL uh, every year, but this year I'm actually doing both because Brandon Funston can, can't make it. So I'm going to mostly go off his list, though, and God. his guys. A lot, a lot of Mariners, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to do what he tells me to. So there, there shouldn't be too much acrimony between, between us because you're AL, right? Yeah, so basically it's mostly me who's going to get screwed because Funston will have his guys that you'll be bidding on who I don't know about, and you'll know who my guys are, and you'll want to bid them up to improve Funston's team. Exactly. Also, by the way, I don't know if we can beat, as far as politics, uh, John Oliver's uh, – did you see his 22-minute take on uh, Trump? I, I, I read about it, and here's the thing. I, all right, well, I'm just going to do a little aside. I would never <laughs> vote for Trump, and I really sincerely hope he does not end up being president of the United States – but I think that in all this Trump hysteria, all these people who I respect are like, you know, this Trump thing is out of control. We got to get the party back to its senses. And I'm thinking, you mean like Marco Rubio or the fact that Mitch McConnell's the the majority leader or that, you know, George Bush was the president 10 years ago? Like, that's the sensible side. So- I mean, I don't really understand why the alarm now. Like, oh, suddenly this is cause for concern. Like, yeah, it's cause for concern. What about the last, you know, 20 years? I mean, I don't, I don't really understand why. They think that's going to be worse than the, the dick bags that are running things from the establishment side. I don't, I don't really see what the cause for extra alarm is. I, I see what the cause for alarm is. I just don't see what the cause for uniquely special alarm is for Trump versus Rubio or the fact that someone like Mitch McConnell is actually um, you know, the, the majority leader of the Senate. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it to the end. I'll let you go, go nuts in politics yeah. at the end. But, um, man, that, that Republican debate was just – I just caught the highlights on, on Gawker or whatever, and it was just just out of control. I mean just very, very – I hear what you're saying as far as why isn't this happening 10 years ago. But, man, this is just like some craziness going on. Yeah, but I, honestly, like it, it's like there was no more dignity in it 10 years ago. It's like totally yeah, undignified now, but like it was just like with more of a suit. You know what I mean? You just had more professional suits and haircuts doing the same undignified policies. I, I don't understand why people – I'm glad that it's out in the open. Like this is what it really is. Yeah, no, no, you're probably right. It probably isn't that much different than 10 years ago, but it's definitely being treated differently in the media. Yeah, because the people with the money don't, aren't necessarily assured of getting their way. Now, uh-oh, now this is a big deal. Right, um, right. Okay, we'll, we'll skip that till later. We'll talk a little baseball. So I had my Beat Chris List draft uh, right the 
a, a day after you and I did the podcast last week. And I don't know if, I mean, there's no way I could be influenced by you, right? I mean, I know from experience how bad your calls are. I, I'm not going to let it influence me, right? There's no way that my taking Strasburg in the third. Apparently not is the answer. I, I don't know, man. I, so basically I didn't, I don't think I, I like my draft, but it's a little light on the pitching. And I took Harper in the first, that was a no brainer. I thought I was gonna get Kershaw, but the guy picking first overall took Kershaw. That's fine. Um, and then, uh, on the way back, I wanted to get sale. He went one pick before me. I thought, all right, I really like Jose Fernandez, but he'll be there in the third. Let me take the best hitter then because I didn't see another second round worthy pitcher that I liked. Uh, so I took Chris Davis, who I have a lot of faith in to be among the top three or four in home runs this year. And then I'm going to get Fernandez in the third. He goes one pick for before me. And I kind of got stuck. I was like, uh Oh, what do I do now? And you know, you have a minute to make these picks. I, it's not like I had a huge list in front of me or I'd worked out in my mind in February, like exactly what my overall cheat sheet was. So I was like, it's either Strasburg for the strikeout upside, Arietta, who was the best pitcher last year to have. And, or now I think if I went back in time, I would have taken Dallas Keuchel, believe it or not. But I ended up taking, really? yeah, I, I come around to it. And, you know, price was a, a viable option. Um, DeGrom went, you know, Kluber, Harvey, Carrasco, all these guys, Granky, Cole, Archer, Syndergaard. I mean, they're all kind of in the same boat. But I took Strasburg, and I'm now worried that the reason I took him is because you were talking him up on our podcast the day before. Yeah, I like how I'm going to get uh, all, all, you know, I'm going to get a hard time if he doesn't do well, and you're going to take the credit if he does. But, uh, I don't know, again, 0.75 whip in the second half last year, contract year. Hey, listen, I, I basically own him in important leagues every year, and I, and I always tell myself at the beginning, never again, and then he goes off on these crazy runs, and here I am. Uh, at least you're the one that's – maybe maybe I will avoid him altogether this year and just let you have to deal with him, but clearly the upside is is through the roof. I mean, come on, 92 strikeouts and 66 innings after the break? I mean, that's that's pretty pretty crazy compared to the Keikles and even the Ariettas of the world. Yeah, it's like Randy Johnson. Uh, the, the problem with him, though – it, you know, we had Stefania Bell on today on the XM show, and she – I had her rank these four pitchers in terms of risk, and it was Strasburg, Tanaka, Jose Fernandez, and Felix Hernandez. And she picked Strasburg as the most risky. Um, not that she – It is always something with him. It is not, always yeah, something. Not that she has a crystal ball, but she said, you know, he has this upper neck and back stuff that – there's just so many things that are – you know, he got the Tommy John and got that fixed, but, like, what is it, you know, structurally that's wrong with this guy? He always looks uncomfortable out there, so – she got me starting to regret it. I'm sure she'd love it if she knew that she, you know, got in my head and then I'm like worried about this now. Anyway, it, it, it was what it was. Um, but I, I think going back, if I could go back in time, I would take Keiko. To me, Keiko is the Roy Halladay of this era. He's the, he got a strikeout rate up to 8.6 per nine last year, which is what, about what Halladay did. And just ground balls and no, no hard contact. Everything's weak. Everything's on the ground. And 8.9 strikeouts with that. That's just such a reliable, bankable skill set to me. Well, he hasn't done it for that long is, is, one, is one argument I would, I would say. And the other is, uh, let me ask you, does this matter to you? It's funny that I'm comparing this to Strasburg because he's typically been the same huge splits too. Does, does humongous home road splits matter to you at all? Um, it depends. Why? Does Keuchel have really big home road splits? Oh, extreme. Interesting. But, you know, there's Extreme. nothing. 1.46 ERA at home, 3.77 on the, on the road last year. Wow. That's so weird. I mean, it cuts both ways, right? It might be like whatever his routine is at home, he can figure that out and do it on the road. Right? It, might, it might be a positive because there's nothing about that ballpark that you think was particularly right, right. advantageous to him. And he doesn't give up, you know, fly balls anyway. So what does it even matter? No, that's why I ask you. That's why I present the yeah. question. It's very, it's very interesting because it's very massive difference. 139 strikeouts at home, 77 on the road. It's so bizarre, huh? Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, right? I mean, uh, I mean, why would that be bad? Right. I mean, obviously, like a Coors thing is different. If you get like a daily league, I almost prefer it. I almost well, prefer you know, being able to to do that. But um, yeah, I, I I don't put too much stock into it. I was just curious your opinion as well. I mean, I I think it's probably just a fluky thing, and it'll probably both regress. You know, both at home and on right. on the road. Right. Is what right. I would guess. I would think so. Uh, yeah. I mean, it could have been like he just unluckily drew much tougher lineups. He faced the Royals on the road all the time, and then he got you know some crappy lineup at home all the time. It could be that. Um, 
or as you said, routine, maybe. I mean, I mean, maybe there's something to it, but um, everyone, I think in, across all sports, everyone performs like 15% better at home or whatever, but that's just when it's something so drastic. I was just curious if you put any stock into that moving forward. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but when something's really drastic, I usually don't chalk it up to luck. Um, and I wrote a, a blog on this, um, and we talked a little bit about it last week, the polling thing, right, where I said, uh, would you rather have a guy who had four homers in a game last year or 25 homers on the season, knowing right. nothing else? Or same thing, 18 strikeouts in a game or 220 strikeouts in the season? And the answer is clearly the guy who crushed it in one game when you look at the list of the people who have done those things. Right. And so the point is that it's not just the size of the sample. It's the magnitude of the sample. And if you know one season is not a big sample for home road splits, but if the magnitude is that great, you, know, I'm, you should be less inclined to chalk it up to luck, that there is some cause to it, right? That it's not just random scheduling or whatever because – that can affect things to an extent, but when it's extreme, then you have to look at, okay, there's, there's something here. Now, again, I don't know that that's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing. Right, because it all counts the same. So even if you did it again, it doesn't matter, right? right. I mean, it all counts the same for your stats. If, if someone's drastically better at home or on the road, it really does, it's not like there's like a, a week 16 in fantasy football or something. Right. I mean, I guess head-to-head or something, you could take that into account, but it doesn't matter as far as rotisserie baseball. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so a couple other things. So I took Strasburg. Is that who you would take there, or you would have taken someone else? Where are you? Um, I'm actually kind of surprised how early you took Chris Davis, but that's fine. He can hit whatever. He could hit 210, but he could also hit 50 homers. Oh, let's talk about your homer prop thing. Oh, right. Okay, but first of all, the, the Chris Davis, you think that's early for Chris Davis, late second? Yeah, I guess I haven't looked at the ADP, but I, I don't know. I know Pianowski was arguing Chris Davis is a lower Yahoo uh, ADP than uh, Kyle Schwarber. And he went much later in this draft, so maybe that just to me seemed high. But there's well, no one. Now remember Yahoo. That, yeah, well, Yahoo's crazy if Schwarber's that high with a one catcher format. That's just people are just nuts. Yeah, that is nuts. Um, yeah, I mean JD Martinez went right afterwards, so whatever. It's not like there's some like. Um, yeah, no JD Martinez. I mean, these are the. Yeah. Guys. I wasn't going to take Martinez. I like Chris Davis a little better because I just think he's. I mean, JD Martinez is better for average, but Chris Davis. He had 53 and 47 homers two of the last three years. I mean, right, and he's right. in the same park and he's on the same drugs. So I yes. don't really see. I mean, no, that's important though. And I don't really see, you know, his, you know, that, that's a, he averaged 50 two of the last three years. He's in the same place. Like, I don't see how that's not a second round pick. Right. I anyway. personally have a Brayu ranked ahead of him, but it's, it's just, that's nitpicking. And I, yeah. again, I like, I, Power, you know, much more average. It's, it depends. Right. But Davis isn't like 210. He was like 250 something and he was 270 something. The year he hit 53. He's not – he strikes out a ton, but he crushes it when he makes contact. So that drives up the average a little bit. But I would have taken Strasburg. I mean, I guess Ariette is so good, but it's like so unproven and the lack of – you know, the loss in velocity and coming up the workload. Yep. Yeah, I'm a Strasburg guy. So, okay. sure. You no, would have taken Strasburg there. Yeah. I mean, I – honestly, if I were to do it over again, I might have taken Fernandez there and Strasburg in the third. Okay? Because right. you need pitching. Uh, and But we'll talk more about the draft in a second. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the Homer prop because I went to Vegas this last weekend, and uh, you know, you what, just was check- the, what was the occasion? What was the occasion? It was just this couple that Heather and I are friends with, and we'd been meaning to go for like two years, and you know, we just kept getting postponed, and then finally, it was just a good time to go. That was really gotcha. it. There's no occasion. We just wanted to get our gamble yeah. on. I lost like five hundred and thirty dollars gambling. I'll talk about the poker stuff in a second. It's so annoying, but um, <laughs> so I. I you know, I got my. I checked out all the futures there, and I just looked for something. You know, usually there's garbage. You know, it's all and everything's like so casino friendly. It's just bullshit odds, especially at like the Aria. You know, this isn't the uh, LVS or whatever it's called. This is just the crappy right. square tourist sports book that people waste money. And I see that there's one. There, there's a there's props on what total the league leader in home runs in baseball will have. So. Like, this is terrible. Like, under 30, 36 or under was 12 to 1, which is just awful odds. Think about how bad that is. It's throwing your money away. That's terrible. And, I mean, it should be like 100 to 1 at 36 or under, at least. I mean, there, there's just no way. I mean, even the, a couple of years ago where Nelson Cruz led the majors with 40, I mean, that was a terrible year for home runs and still 40, right? Anyway. Yeah, I'm betting against the entire field. I mean, it's not like you're picking one person. I mean, it's the entire field. Yeah, exactly. Any one person hits 37 and you're toast. Anyway, so that was 12 to 1, and there was, you know, exactly 37, exactly 38, exactly 39, and up and up. And they were terrible bets. They were all like, 
you know, 12 to 1, 20 to 1, 21 to 1. It was just garbage for a specific number. And then um, 55 or more was, I guess it's not that bad if you have 20 to 1 because there's only 20 numbers it could be, really. I mean, between like 40 and 60, right? right? It's going to be somewhere between there. So I guess it's not that bad. Um, but uh, but there were lo- the ones in the sweet spot, like 45-ish, were like, you know, 12 to 1 or something. But 55 plus was 25 to 1. And I looked at that. I was like, I thought, I just thought, I was like, wait, I think they made a mistake here. This is a real, like a, a rare Vegas error. It should not be 25 to one that someone hits, that anybody hits 55. Chris Davis hit 53 two years ago, right? It's not that crazy. Um, you know, Bautista hit 54 four or five years ago. You really think it's 25 to one that someone hits one more than Bautista did in 2010? With Harper, and again, and again, you got the field. So anybody, you got- yeah, I don't have to say who it is, right? So it's Harper. You got Stanton with the fences moved in. You got Chris right. Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean, is, I mean, it's just you know, Batista. Who knows? Someone gets hot for a couple months. Anyway, I went. I was. I texted you. You were in. You wanted a piece, right? Immediately. Oh, you called me. I was excited. I said, "Throw a hundred down for sure." Yeah, you got me fired up, and then. And then I go, I go to the actual uh, you know sports book to place the bet, and I say you know whatever the number was fifty two hundred at hundred dollars here or whatever, and she says uh, yeah it's twelve to one, and I was like are you kidding me? She's like yep. I was like when did the sheets come out? She said February twenty third. Well, there's not any news between February twenty third and now. Nothing. It's not like they something happened like you know Stanton got traded to the Rockies or something like that. Um, and it was just obviously what happened was some sharp saw the mistake and right. put a bunch of money down and much more than probably we were going to <laughs> and close that gap. And it's annoying because it was a mistake. And that was the proof was that they'd already moved the line. Oh, exactly. I mean, less than half. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that's a big, big, big line movement in just a week. And as you said, absolutely nothing happened in the news for it to be other than a big bet was placed. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I almost took 12 to one. I mean, I still think 12 to one's not bad, but I think it's more like, I didn't want to give them my money. Cause I felt like that's bullshit to advertise. Yeah, it's not a principle. I wouldn't have done yeah, it. Then. Yeah, exactly. And also it's just, I think a fair number. It's not a, it's not an advantageous number. You know what I mean? Whereas right. 25 was super advantageous. How fun is that bet? I mean, anybody gets hot. You're sitting on 25 to one. Right. That's the great thing. I mean, it's just, you're rooting for every player. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't have to be a specific one. So I, I was, I was, you got me excited, and then you texted me 20 minutes later saying, not going to happen. Yeah, that was, it was garbage. Uh, so cowardly by the casino. Just honor the sheet. Get rid yes, of the sheet. Print out a new sheet then. They can't afford printing out a sheet once a week? Jeez. I know. It's, it's pretty bad. Anyway, so that was that. Uh, okay, let's go over this draft a little bit more because there's okay. a guy I want to ask you about who's your guy. So I took Puig in the fourth. I, I didn't have to take him there, um, but I knew I wanted Cueto in the fifth, and so – one or the other. And there was a chance someone took Puig because I'd been talking him up so much on the radio. And this is the beat Chris list league. So all these guys pretty much listen to the show and know who I like and kind of like to stick it to me and take one of my guys. Which um, is why you think Kershaw went first, right? I think that guy actually really legitimately, um, he told me, I said, oh, it's going to be like that after he was taken. I, I typed that in the message board. And he was like, sorry, man, I was going to take Kershaw the whole time. Okay. And that's why I took the third pick because I thought I would get Kershaw. But I did not, and uh, I, I'm pretty. And that was my first choice was pick three, and that guy actually emailed me later to offer me a bet on the league, a big bet, and I was going to do it, but I was like, I shouldn't be betting with people I don't know personally. It's just a bad. It's like I'll pay, but what? What if he doesn't pay? Not that you know, I'm sure he was legit, but it's just a bad policy to be like just email betting somebody who you don't know. You know, like this is three hundred fifty dollars. So I said, now nah, you know, if I meet you in person, if you're at the main event, maybe we can figure something out, but. Um, you were such a coward. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not betting somebody online from an email that I don't know. I, that ends up being like I'm gonna pay him three fifty if, if he wins, and who knows? You know, I don't know what his situation right. is. I like to have face to face. It's funny. Is Heather um, and I were out at a friend's house on Sunday for dinner, and Heather they, they were watching the Academy Awards, and Heather was arguing, talking about all the great Australian actors and a- actresses. And she uh, said that Naomi Watts was Australian and Christian Bale was Australian and named a whole bunch. And, and Christian, this guy whose house we were at, was like, I don't think they're Australian. I think they're British. And she said, I'll bet you. And, and, and she's like, I'm positive. I'll bet you whatever you want. And she doesn't bet. And, 
And, and he goes, okay, how about my $5 against your million dollars? And she's like, done. I'm positive. So they shake on it. And it turns out that uh, no. Chris, what's Chris, that? Christian Bale's definitely not, right? Bale's not, right? No, he's not. And then, uh, and then Naomi Watts was born in uh, London and then moved to Australia. Uh, that one I might have got wrong, but okay. I would have so, not. So uh, she owes him a million. Well, now she did half a million on the other one. So she owes him a million and a half dollars. And, of course, you know, getting a million to five is like getting nothing to five because she's never going to get paid. <laughs> right? It's not right. going to happen. I said, you know, don't bet a million. Just take like 20 to five. She would have had to right. pay that. See what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense to bet a million. She owes him a million and a half dollars. I mean, I was there. I witnessed it. Right. But. He's never going to get no, that's a cent. a good point. In hindsight, it should have been a $5 bet. He would have made more profit. Or, or, you know, if, if she was willing to give odds, like 20 to 5, and then she would have to pay it. Although she would have been very unhappy having to hand him a 20. Again, she doesn't pay her bets. She owes me $100 because we bet how much money she'd make this year. And she's always stressed about money. And I said, you're going to make, you know, X. Uh, you, you're, you're, the money's coming in. Don't worry. And she said, no, I'm not. So we bet $100. Like, it's a good hedge for you because if you make less, then at least you get an extra 100 And uh-huh. I won. And I was like, all right, we'll pony up the hundred. And she's like, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. That's not fair. So it's like, don't ever bet with Heather. That's, that's their moral. All right. That's yeah. Funny. She's almost as bad as somebody else. I know she's like the second worst person to bet with. I wasn't going to go there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, the Oscar, what'd you think of the Oscars? By the way? Uh, I watched it intermittently. I will say Chris Rock, everyone on Twitter was like, I did like watch, I like online. I watched his monologue and everyone on Twitter was like, Oh, killed it. It was awesome. It was ever. And I thought it was okay. I thought he. You know, he he did a good job, but I, I thought Chris Rock would have taken it to another level, and he didn't. It was just, like, pretty tame, in my opinion. I thought it was very good, but he's no Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais just kills the Golden Globes. He's the best host ever, times a million. But I thought it was all right. I, I always do a, a pool, an Oscar pool every year for no money or anything with, with a group of friends, and it came down to the best picture upset at the end. I had I lost by one. It was a uh, – so – that's the only way I can keep myself entertained. I, I have a kid these days. So I don't even. I have, seriously, I think I only watch The Martian of all the Best Picture nominations. Yeah. I watch a ton of TV, but movies, I'm, I'm really behind these days. Yeah, and don't tell me what happened in it because I want to see that. I don't like anyone giving me any deals. I don't even, I don't even want to know what planet it takes place on, okay? That's how much I don't want to know the details. Oh, that movie? Okay, fair enough. All right. So don't even tell me what planet it takes place on. Okay. Um, the, the thing is this. Um, I... Don't really care. I, I watch Spotlight, actually. I only see, like, three movies a year, and I watch Spotlight. And I don't respect – any awards thing where it's not, like, a sport where the team that wins, unless the refs dick them over, which does happen quite often these days, but where the team that wins crushes or, like, it's clearly the better team. Like, Denver won that Super Bowl, deserved to win it. You know, that was – it's decisive, right? But an award show that's just people voting, who mm-hmm. cares, right? I mean, who the hell cares who they pick is the best picture? It's just a bunch of people choosing that. Oh, and it's a lot of politics, too. Like, whoever spends the most amount of money um, advertising for that award, too. It's a a ton of stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, who cares who wins? But I I did see Spotlight, and uh, it's an excellent movie. It is good? Okay. Really good. I mean, it's not like, you know, if you're like me, I like a movie where it's like the born, you know, the born identity, where, like, you know, there's, like, people getting shot, and there's action, and, you know, that's, that's what I would, like, go to the theater. That's what I'm, like, excited to go to the theater and watch. Not necessarily Spotlight, but in terms of a good movie, it was like A+. plus. It was just okay. incredibly well done, it's just really efficient. Like a, a movie that's like you know, they're uncovering the stuff. I don't want to tell you too much about it, but it's just really like there's no extra garbage. There's no like fake emotional crap. There's, no, there's nothing they're pushing in there to like sell you. It's just a really well-made movie. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's just go back to this. So um, I took Puig because whatever. I, I, I mean, my projection for Puig, like I was talking to Jeff, like projections have to be responsible. You have to make it sort of this three-year weighted average based on a little adjustment for the situation and factor in all the downside or whatever. But, but fuck that, okay? Here's my prediction and what, what I project Puig as basically because I don't have to do it for the site. is like 30 homers, 15 steals, 300 average. That's my Puig projection. Yeah, it makes sense. I think um, I think I'm kind of with you. Actually, I'm a Giants guy, but I worry about the Dodgers being just a loaded team, and he's still so young. I know he hits a lot of. I think he hits too many ground balls or whatever, but that can change. And just I think we talked about this last week. Just one year ago, he was debated to go. You know, at the end of the first round with Harper, right? So, like, what what exactly has changed? Nothing's changed. He had a hamstring injury, and he had Don Mattingly, who's just a dick. Uh, and then he had like basically. 
you know, whatever. He was partying a little. He was, you know, there's a certain point in your life. Like, look at DeMarcus Cousins, right? He, you could draft him in fantasy and you'd be like, yeah, he's really good, but he's kind of gets kicked out of a lot of games. He's not really into it. And now if you draft him in fantasy, it's like, what, is he the number two pick after Curry? He's way up there. Actually, uh, Puig's ground balls were way down last year, actually. He started hitting more fly balls. So I'm on board. I love that pick there where you got him. Yeah. And he would – okay, so he, it's way ahead of ADP, but I don't care. I think he's like a, you know, a third-round pick, mid-third or something. So to me, that's a good pick. And, I, and plus, I talked him up so much that I felt he was going to be there. Then I was like, i got to get a second pitcher. In this format, you have to get two pitchers that are two aces. And I got Johnny Cueto, and I was locked in on him. As soon as I missed on Syndergaard and that, the run that came before him, I was like, okay, Cueto's my guy. And I just think, like, that guy, if he pitches the way he did in Cincinnati, but he's in San Francisco – it could be a, a top five starter. Why am I wrong about this? Well, obviously the concern is the you know performance after he was traded to the AL, but he's coming back to the NL and uh, throwing to Buster Posey is a great thing. Very underrated uh, defensive catcher, just framing and all that. I mean, he's great. Obviously the best offensive catcher, but really good framer as well. Should have a great defense. Obviously one of the best parts for pitchers as well. So I get it. My only argument is, and, and we talked about this on, on the XM show, is I would have taken Felix. And, and normally I'm a guy over getting the guys on the come. But Felix is, what, 29 years old? 30. You're, yeah, you're, 30. That, you're, you're that worried about, uh, you know, same as Cueto. He had a couple bad months. Right. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, the, the difference is that Felix's workload has just been, I mean, he came up when he was 19. And he has had... 200 innings, 240 innings, 240 innings, 230 innings. I mean, year after year. Eight straight years of 200 and 10 straight of 190. Right. So that that was my concern. But then, okay, so Jeff Zimmerman uh, does some work for Fangraphs and Rotowire, and he wrote an article about uh, risk of collapse by pitchers, and he just did it by age, right? And it's not – it doesn't go up that much by age, but it goes up slightly by age, right? And the collapse – criteria were pretty good it was like era above this or you know innings pitch below this it was like you know basically you don't get your money's worth when you when you get these guys and uh he of aces and he only he only did it with aces like collapse uh percentage for guys who have had a certain criteria the last three years okay and and so he, he looked at it and really it just the collapse percentage increases ever so slightly every year a pitcher ages but it still just maxes out at like 45, 50%. You know, it's like when you're like 35, it's like 45, 50% that you're going to collapse that like one year. Um, but when you're young, it's like, you know, it, it's like 30%. Whatever. I don't know. I got to look it up the article. It's on the homepage of Rotowire. But it just, it gets slightly more likely just based on years. And I wrote in the comment, I was like, Jeff, can you, I would be interesting to cross reference this with workload, right? I mean, age plus workload because Arietta's 30 and Felix is 30, but, you know, right. Felix has a workload like James Shields, who's 34, um, and Arietta's got barely any workload. And he wrote back with a link and said, check this out. I did this research two years ago, and I looked at it, and basically workload had zero correlation with uh, pitcher collapsing. It was all age. Um, there was nothing about workload per se. And so um, I'm not saying that that's like the be-all, end-all study, but it was a pretty reasonable-looking study. And so he's, you know, for him, he said, maybe there's something else. I said, it's really counterintuitive. I mean, you look at like CeCe Sabathia just finally broke down and Halliday and Lee, Cliff Lee, you'd say it's age or, but they just pitch so many innings per year. Um, and so uh, I don't know where I stand on it, but I was, I was very bearish on Hernandez and now I'm more just, I don't know. I'm not really sure anymore. Well, no, I'm generally with you, but it's it's funny. Should you give the pitcher credit for, for having that much durability or knock him because he's due? You know, I mean, when do you pick when he's due? But so we talk about signature performances. So last year, uh, there were in three games, Felix allowed 25 earned runs in 7.1 combined innings. Does that mean anything to you? Yes, yeah, signature sucking, right? I mean, right. we talked about 18 Ks. If you said I, you know nothing about these two pitchers, one has a five ERA on the year, the other one. You know, it gave up 27 runs in, you know, eight innings or whatever. Would it go the other way, right? I mean, I don't know. That's an, inter- that's an interesting way- study, right? Very interesting. I mean, because the other thing I could, I could tell you is his velocity was nearly identical to 2013's. He's one season removed from a 2.14 ERA and 0.92 whip. His swinging strike percentage, which I really like, was 10.7. His career rate is 10.3. 
So I don't know. You could probably but, frame but this argument. I would, I would like to see a swinging strike percentage in the second half because he, in the first half, was just as good as he was in 2014. So the Fair. damage happened Fair. all in the second half. And it happened, and he still had a couple of good starts. He had one really good start in there toward the end. But in the but time the K's of, were way down. The K's were way down. In the second half. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, I mean, so the velocity is what it was two years ago, but that's the lowest velocity of his career. And he got away with it two years ago. But maybe that average velocity over the season, I'd like to see what his velocity was toward the end. Now, the thing that made me think twice also was that I, I read a quote by him, and he said, yeah, I was, like, sloppy or I did something – I was getting a little stupid with this, or it, he just wrote it off to like, you know, he just was sloppy, not my arm was dead or I, I didn't have the stuff. So maybe he was, you know, Seattle was in the race for about three and a half months and kind of fell off the map at the second half. Maybe he just kind of lost focus for a bit. Yeah, it's possible. And <clears throat> Seattle, one other thing to point out is they're, um, they brought their fences in. So a couple years ago, so that maybe it plays a little bit more like a hitter's park, but yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, I'm never really like a, a guy who's going after a guy with a huge workload at that stage of his career. But Felix to me is getting under drafted or at least later than I expected, but, but back to Cueto real quick. So before that, you know, his, his turn in Kansas city, he was basically one of the three best pitchers in baseball over a five year stretch. So, and obviously his environment is much better. So uh, I, I can see your argument. And in the World Series, he was really good. Yeah, he, yeah, he had a great. He had one great start. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like he was shot in the World Series. Now he, you know, pitched a lot of extra innings going through the playoffs and stuff. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I just think Felix. He's like the toughest right-hander like ever to steal a base on ever. Aquita. Well, that's a, that's a little bit of an advantage. And then with Posey catching, both framing, and doesn't Posey throw out runners too? It's just it's not going to be. It's he's going to have a big advantage with Posey behind the plate playing in that park for half the games of the season. And if he's anything resembling the guy in Cincinnati just in, you know, before the trade deadline, uh, I think I've got an ace in the fifth round. And that was the whole point. Yeah, it could be a monster. Wow. His whip was 0.93 with Cincinnati last year. Jeez. (laughs) The best of his career. And look what he did did in 2014. Yeah, 0.96. Yeah, no. Hey, I hope. I'm I'm a Giants fan. I hope he – I hope and, this isn't Tito. I mean, I, I yeah. What, I the, right. what, what was the deal that he had from the Giants, you know? I forget the exact amount of money. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, but, I mean, it was substantial, right? And so, Very substantial, yes, yes. So they checked him out, right? I mean, it's not like if there's some health thing, they're not giving this massive deal. Correct. So, I, I don't know. I To me, that's a top, that's a top 10 starter. That's a, that's a legit ace. I, I, I mean, I think I'd take him over Garrett Cole. Um, I think I would take him over Carlos Carrasco. Um, I would probably take him over Syndergaard. So, and maybe Granky in Arizona. So it's I think like around six years, 130 million. Right. So, and that's a pretty big contract. It doesn't, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it means they probably pretty diligent in making sure that he was the guy. They probably looked closely when he was getting shelled in Kansas city, whether it was a stuff thing or whether it was just, you know, bad luck and bad circumstances and being in the AL. Um, you you right. have to imagine they looked at all that stuff before d- uh, doling out that kind of money. I would hope they, they're typically a pretty smart organization. Didn't work great with Barry Zito or Aaron Rowan, but, but yes, I, one would hope what you're saying is true. Right. Um, okay. So, so that was that. So I had my two starters and okay. So now I've talked about this on the radio show, but Peter Kreutzer did a study um, a couple years ago um, showing that in, AL only leagues, and you and I talked about this, that the pitchers that don't return value are the $10 to $20 ones in the AL, in the AL only leagues. And $10 to $20 pitchers in only leagues translate roughly to 8th to 12th round mixed league draft picks, right? I mean, that's what a $10 to $20 pitcher is. Sure. So my, my plan was I had to get at least two aces. Three would have been great, but I'll take two. And after that, don't touch a pitcher for a while because those are the pitchers that have bad return on investment. So I just went hitter, 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 the next four picks. And it was Braun, Kemp, Yelich, Beltre. And I also wanted to fill up on outfield and corners and load up their corners are actually not as deep this year as they were in, have been in years past, at least on paper they're not. And then just worry about the middle infield later. Because I don't think that once you get past like two or three middle infielders that I want to waste a top pick on, I mean, maybe I'd take Altuve if he slipped to where I was drafting. 
I, you know, I don't think there's a big difference from Rugnet Odor, who people are taking around eight, and Marcus Semien, who I got in round 16. No, it's funny because we talked on this podcast last week about how you're going to load up on pitchers, and you did not do that, but that's just because it didn't quite fall your way. But you did say that I'm going to go all about corner, corner infielders and, and outfielders, and you absolutely did that. Yeah, so I just I want to get the offense from the positions that get offense and worry about the catcher and middle infield positions late, which, I, again, I don't think there's a big difference between what you're getting in the middle rounds and what you're getting late if you pick, it, if you pick through it. Um, but I did get one catcher in round 13, and I'm going to ask you about him, um, Travis Darno. I think he's the one guy besides Schwarber and Posey that can have a big year. They can hit 27 home runs and bat, you know, 265, 270, and actually be big. All these other guys, I think they are what they are. But I think Darno still, we don't know what he is yet. Oh, I've had him in labor, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I, I totally agree. I think he could go. I mean, Mesoraco could maybe bounce back. Yeah, maybe. Crazy too, right. He's but, another one. But I like Darno. I like Darno for sure. And, I, and, I and where you got him was really quite, uh, it seemed like a good value. I, I know you hate that term, but it does seem like he, in a two-catcher league, it seemed like that's a little late to me. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like that to me, too. And then I almost got Mesoraco two rounds later on the way back. And I, that's the guy I would have taken because who knows? That guy was awesome two years ago. I mean, he was hurt. He still should be good, and he's still in that park. Everyone gets hurt, especially catchers. So whatever. Who cares what he did last year? I, I, I really like him <clears throat> as a target. But Verlander, you know, I kind of wrote him completely off, but I don't think I quite realized that. I know he, he it was, again, injury shortened last year, but – Lowest ERA since 2012 last year, a 1.09 whip. I mean, the Ks are down, but nah, maybe you're onto something there. Well, don't look at the whole year. Look at the second half because he was the right. same broken man that he had been. Didn't he start late from some injury? I, I can't remember if he started the season on time last year. I think he started late. I think that he was battling something, and I assumed he was, he was dead to yeah, me. Yeah, he threw 30 innings before the All-Star break. Right, exactly. So he, he just pitched until June. Right, so he started late. And he destroyed my 2014 season in many different leagues because I was all in on him. And so I'd written him off, but I just, you know, DFS or whatever, I'd see, wow, Verlander struck out eight again and didn't give up a lot of runs. And this kind of happened a lot in the second half. And I don't think he'll ever be the guy he was. I think he's adjusted. He's throwing 93, 94, whatever he's throwing. He's not throwing 98. But, you know, if he, you can't, even, no, even if you throw 98, you're not going to win a Cy Young unless you have command. And you're smart enough to locate and know how to deal with hitters, right? I mean, I think even though he's not ever going to be that good, I think if you have all the skills to win a Cy Young Award at 98, if you could still throw 92, 93 and maintain the rest of the command and everything else, you're still a good pitcher. Yeah, 2.8 ERA, 1.0 whip in the second half, 95 Ks in 103 innings. So that, man, I got to say, I I think I should raise him up, up my rankings. Yeah, so that was my third pitcher. So it's like Strasburg, Cueto, Verlander. That's pretty shaky in a 12-team league as your top three starters. But I, you know, I just think this is, you know, you can't, you can't be safe, right? You can't be like, oh, well, I, you need someone safer. Everyone's like, oh, you should have taken another starter. Who? I'm not going to take someone I don't want. I'm not, someone's like, you should have taken Garrett Richards instead of Matt Kemp in round seven. Maybe, maybe that would have been a good choice, but <laughs> I didn't want Richards in round seven. Right. Richards, yeah, by no, the way, no. throws like, you know, 98 miles an hour, but, and, and he might be good. I got talked into him today on the uh, XM show. I like Richards, but I hear what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, Kent, by the way, was pretty good last year for all his faults. I think he's over that injury issue thing. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to fall apart. And he's playing, you know, he played basically a full season last year. He even stole 12 bases. And it's not as hard to hit home runs in that park as it used to be. Right. I, I, I think he's good. What if he gets dealt? Is there a chance he gets dealt or is his contract just too big? I don't, I don't know what San Diego – don't ask me to predict San Diego's front office. They're right. crazy. Right. There's no rhyme or reason. No. No. Okay. But so you're happy with your team? I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, people were dissing it. but uh, You I'm took happy. my advice to get Dyson? I did. I wasn't <laughs> – you know, I didn't think about it really until, you know, it was round 23, and I thought I was a little light on steals. He's not really playable unless he's playing six days a week because sure. he does nothing else. And – are they really going to play him six days a week? You know, when uh, Kane got hurt last year or somebody got hurt last year, I think Gordon got hurt last year. You're not happy with his 18 RBI he had last year? No, 18 doesn't cut it in a 12-team league as one of your starting outfielders. But it's not just that. It's that when Gordon got hurt last year, you'd think, okay, Dyson's got the job, but he didn't. It was like Paolo Orlando was in there half the time. I don't know that they're – even though on the depth chart it lists him as a starter, I'm not sure that that means 
he's going to start six days a week. And you need six for him to be worth it. Um, so I'll probably end up dropping him. But in round 23, I felt like, you yeah. know. I was going to say where you got him, though. Come on. Yeah. I mean, the upside there. I mean, he could he could easily outsteal Billy Hamilton this year. Easily. Yeah, well, maybe. If, again, I mean, Billy Hamilton presumably is going to have the job, although maybe he won't. Maybe they'll put Jose Peraza out there. It's like a 270 on base percentage. Yeah, but they just his defense is great, and he was their prospect, and they're retooling. So the Royals have to win now. So the Royals right, can't right. tolerate you know garbage. From, I mean, Dyson's a better offensive player than Billy Hamilton. So you know maybe maybe they will, and his defense is good. I also yeah, got Leon stolen bases 30, 34, 36, 26, and he's never had three hundred at bats. Yeah, but right. So if he were to get six hundred at bats, he's going to have a monster year. But if he gets four hundred at bats, you can't use him. Yeah, I get what you're saying. An AL yeah. only is fine. He'll, if you have an AL only league, go ahead and put Dyson in there, leave him in there all year, and get your 30 steals and 300 bats. That's fine. But in a mixed league, you can't you can't do that. It's like it's the same reason you can't roster Brad Ziegler in a mixed league in a 12 team mixed league, because even if he gets you 35 saves, he's going to get you like 30 strikeouts, and you cannot have a roster spot that's clogged the entire year for 30 strikeouts. You can't do it. No, I get you. He's he's killing you in every single other category. Yeah, he's <laughs> killing you. It's not, it's like you can't afford it. Now, if you get a closer like you know K Rod, who's going to strike out sixty guys or fifty eight, and and you get your thirty five saves, that's fine. I mean, it's not great. It's not helping you the way Chapman would. Well, Chapman suspended for a month. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Kimbrel would with you know ninety strikeouts and thirty five saves. But the sixty is what is the baseline. If you go down to thirty, it's like it's actually just not worth the saves. You 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 can't use him. Um, and, and Dyson's the same way. If he doesn't get, if he gets 600 at bats, he'll score 75 runs and he'll drive in 40 and he'll get, you know, six home runs and he'll, he'll do something for you. And I think then you can use him. Yeah. I'm just looking at the people that went in rounds 21 and 22, let alone 23. And I think the upside there justifies it for sure. Yeah. And then the other guy I got is Leonis Martin later who maybe Seattle okay. starting center fielder and he, maybe he steals 30. So, you know, there's, there's bags to be had the 12 team mixed, I was a little light on steals, but I feel like I'm a little light on saves. But you can pick that kind of stuff up. It's not like the 15 where, you know, you better be pretty balanced coming out of your draft. And steals have been way down league-wide league, league wide last couple of years. So, I I mean, those two guys, if even if you only get them starting half a year or something, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, I don't – right. I, and I'll draw – I'll, you know, cycle through the back end of my roster. Plus, I've got some sneaky steals. I've got Gerardo Parra. I've got Marcus Semien. I've got Alcides Escobar. I've got um, Kristen Yelich, Matt Kemp, Ryan Braun, Puig, Harper steals occasionally. I mean, it's, I have some steals. I just don't have a real steals guy that I can count on. I, I didn't get any Ben Revere's or A.J. Pollock's, and that's, you know, we'll see if, if I can cobble it together through, you know, five or six different players. I like buying Adrian Beltre low in the ninth round. Um, and Yelich uh, is an interesting guy to me because I know people still love his upside, but um, I know we talked about, you know, batted ball profile and you have an interesting take, but you realize his like ground ball to fly ball ratio is like 4.6 or something just absurd. He hit like three fly balls in the first half or something just absolutely mind boggling. What do you make of that? Well, we had um, Jim Bowden on, the former GM. He does an XM. Sure. And, and he loves Yelich. And I don't like to be influenced by who cares. I don't care if you're a professional scout. I don't care if you're Theo Epstein. I don't care if you're you know, how smart of a baseball mind you are. Nobody knows shit, right? So you, you can't just take tips from other people and expect, oh, well, it's going to do well. Uh, but he just was talking about his swing, like what a great swing it is. It's like a perfect swing. And I, it's a line drive swing. And I assume that, you know, eventually that's gonna, line drives are just what you want to hit. You know, Albert Poole said he's a line drive hitter. He's not a home run hitter. And, of course, if you, if you get it right, 40 of those things go over the fence. So they move the fences into Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be uh, – he's got a chance to hit 20 homers. Last year, I don't – he didn't hit much, but I think – I have to look at last year's numbers. But I think, you know, 15 is should be easy for him. And if, you know, the fences are in and he takes a step, maybe 20, 25 is possible. And batting average is, is pretty likely to be good. And uh, he's going to steal, too. He's going to steal 20 bags at least, I think. So I think in round eight, I just had to take him for the upside. It's like a guy with a decent floor – and there's major upside. That's the kind of player I like to take. Like, to me, Puig is like that. People are like, well, his floor is really low. Really? Healthy Puig? Wh- when has this floor ever been low? He's going to go 20, 20, 90? That's the floor? That, seems, that doesn't seem low to me. 
No, it's definitely possible. I'm just saying that fundamentally his game is going to have to change dramatically for him to get 15 homers. I, I personally would have taken a David Peralta who went, what, four picks later. Yeah, you would have taken him. All right. Well, we can do a little side bet on that because uh, I like Peralta. I think he's a good hitter. We'll see if he can hit lefties. But um, I like – okay, so last year he had seven homers. Twenty twenty dollars uh, Yeah, $20. And, and let's okay. just do, you know – Whatever, who's better fantasy wise, right? It should, it'll probably be obvious in the event that it isn't. Um, we can just well, call it. Well, in the event it isn't, then yeah, exactly. Because I don't, I don't, right, I don't care about winning by, you know, thirty cents in a $260 budget. Yes, me neither. Easy. This is what we always do. Yes, okay, fine. Exactly. So twenty dollars, Gellich versus okay. Peralta. Okay. Um, I just like the upside there. And you're right, I like Beltre too. Beltre was hurt. He had like a what, like a sprained thumb last year. Played through it. Was terrible for a while. Did well in the end. I think he's still got something left. Yeah, the thing with Beltre is he always plays through his injuries. So it like, affects his numbers, but it's like, would you rather that or a guy who sits out? Because I guarantee he plays through injuries that other players would, would sit out from. But, yeah, he's not done. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. I, I really like that spot there. Yeah, and then the other guy I got that um, – I mean, everyone loves the Gerardo Parra pick in round 18. It's a no-brainer. I don't Which know why. Which means he's going to be a bust, by the way. Probably. But, I mean, it's just such a no-brainer as a starting okay. cores outfielder um, who's – runs also and in the nfbc you can platoon i mean you i mean you could play if he's at course for a weekend i can put him in if he's out i can put in david wright or somebody else for the four days they're on the road so it's like even more valuable in this format um but the other guy i really like and i had no idea where he's going to get drafted is jaime garcia did you know what jaime garcia did last year i know this from daily fantasy because like, just i just you know you just get really attuned to like the not just the year-end stats but watching the sort of consistency of a player because you keep seeing you keep using him as an option well you gotta love st louis guys i know he's a huge ground baller but no how good was he oh wow really good (laughs) yeah that's pretty good i mean not just good but like you know if he had pitched a full season he wouldn't be in the cy young conversation because his strikeouts aren't high enough but you know he had a 243 era and a 105 whip and he had a 105 whip the year before in seven starts and then you know the years before he was like getting hurt which is what he does but man, I, I just felt think like that low is really tough for extreme ground baller. You know, normally it keeps your ERA down because it keeps the homers down. Right. But typically the guys with the with the really low whip, which are the high strikeouts, high fly ball guys. So that is extremely difficult to do. Back to back years, as you said, 105 whip, and he's a, a massive ground baller. So yeah, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, uh, you love to back your your you know you back yourself with St. Louis players always. Yeah, and look at this. If you look at his fat, his velocity uh, in 2010, he threw 90.3. Had a 270 ERA. Okay, 2011, 12, 13, where he struggled, his velocity went down all the way to 88.7. And the last two years where he's bounced back, it's 90.6 and 90.2. It doesn't sound like that much, but it's like a mile per hour, mile and a half faster, right? And yeah, I wonder with shoulder issues and lefties don't need to be as high as velocity. So yeah, that's that's plenty good. I wonder, right? It's just that little bit extra. And he's getting more ground balls, and he's got that defense. You know, just St. Louis just is magic. I don't know what it is. It was the de- I mean, Hayward's gone. Yadi Molina's old. I, I don't know if they're going to be as good. But, um, yeah, it just seemed like in the 17th round, he'll probably get hurt. But as long as he stays healthy, I, I think he's <laughs> just one of those guys that you, you just leave in no matter what. Lackey was like that last year in St. Louis. I just had Lackey. I know he was much better at home last year, Lackey. But it was just a guy that you drafted in, like, the 20th round. And I had him in like five leagues and just every league I was in, he was just a staple. You know, he was just a guy who was getting me 200 innings and whatever 180 strikeouts or whatever he got and wins and good ERA and whip. And it was just, you didn't even think twice about leaving him out there. And in these 12 and 15 team mixed leagues, those guys are money. Those like your, your third best or fourth best starter that just, you know, is just, you don't have to think about it. Yeah, Garcia could be a profit there, even if he only throws 140 innings or something right. for you there. What uh, where'd Lackey go? He probably, I'm guessing, he has more buzz this year. Yeah, oh, right before, round before. Yeah, he went around before, and uh, I like him. I, you know, he was he had such a huge home road split last year, and now he's going on the road, obviously. But he was good in Boston the year before that, mm-hmm. and so I tend to think he's good. And I think six, round 16, that was actually a good pick by that guy. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Garcia where you got him. Jeez. And, and Gaussman could go crazy too. Gaussman. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I don't know. I mean, every year that dude, every year we, we draft <laughs> right. that guy. And it's like, come on. It's, you know who I really like though in round 21? Eduardo Rodriguez. Guy throws 94, a lefty. And he was good last year. He wasn't like, amazing, but he held his own in the AL East in a, in a you know, park that 
it's not great to be a lefty in Fenway because they, uh, you know, in Yankee Stadium, you want to be a lefty. In Fenway, I think you want to be a righty uh, because of the green monster. But Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, was, was perfectly good last year, and he should get better. I think my favorite part is you sandwiched in between Garcia, Para, Gossman, and Rodriguez, uh, David Wright. So you went, uh, I like how you really mixed your profile up with swinging for some fences and then going with one of the more boring options you possibly could. Yeah, swinging for a ground out. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the thing about David Wright, though, is he was fine when he came back. Like, I, didn't, I thought maybe his career was over. I had him. I, like, stashed him forever, and he was fine. Right? Yeah, I mean, even the team saying we're hoping for 130 games from when they're when they're saying that, I just you know might be tough to play. I don't know if he can get 130, he can get 145. I mean, it's like if they're, they're, this is supposedly a contending team, if he feels fine, they're going to leave him out there. They're going to rest him now and then, but I don't supposedly, know. Supposedly, what do you mean supposedly? This team is very contending. That's what I mean. I mean, we'll yeah. see what happens, but yeah, this is a contending team, and if he feels fine and he's hitting well. They'll give him rest now and then, but they're not going to limit him to 130 games. He's going to say, I feel good. Just well, fine. Right. Isn't, we have him in League of Leagues, so I hope you're right. Yeah, this isn't David Wilson, spinal stenosis, uh, you know, getting head-on-head hit, you know, helmet-to-helmet hits. Right. It's a baseball player. I hear you. Again, I hope you're right. We have him in League of Leagues. Yeah. I hope you're right. But I'm just saying it's just funny that such a boring option sandwiched in between all these high upside kicks. Yes, yes. I, I still like him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to steal bases anymore. But all right, so uh, before we just – I don't need to talk too much politics, but I wanted to just ask you about our League of Leagues team. Are we still in first place in basketball? Yeah, I've been, uh, I don't think I've looked today, but we were, didn't I email you yesterday? We're up like four points. Okay. I, I checked it like a couple weeks ago. All right, so we're up four points, but Jonah made a horrible they trade again. trades, yeah, yeah. I mean, Will Leach has to do better. Aim higher as a human, okay? We're like, up four. We're still up four. I know, but he traded Trevor Plouffe. He traded Chris Middleton, who's very good, very useful. It's a 14-team hoops league. I mean, Chris Middleton is a very valuable player in this format for Trevor Plouffe, who's like— You know what number of fantasy player he's been in, in, in basketball this year? I'm going to say, like—I'm going to guess too high, but I'm going to say 42. 37th. Wow. And I was trying to guess too high. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. And on a per game basis, I'm saying. Think about this, right? So Plouffe would be like what? Uh, He got drafted here. I don't even know where he got drafted. But if we could find where he got drafted, then we can see what number um, baseball player he is. Plouffe's got to be like the 200-something baseball player, right? Like 230 or something, 250, somewhere around there. I wouldn't even take him. I, I see no upside whatsoever. None. Agreed. Oh, here we go. Here's Ploof, the first pick of the 24th round. Sorry, the last pick of the 24th round. So 24 yeah. times 12 is what? 240 and, and 48 is 288. He's picked number 288, okay? He's Pretty the low. 288th, the 288th, <laughs> think about this, the 288th best baseball player got traded straight up for the 37th best basketball player, and there's still a quarter season of basketball and a whole other season of basketball. And basketball players are more important they, they take up a bigger share of the roster than baseball players. Right. Exactly. That's a great point. I mean, that is just, that is as bad as any trade that's gone down. I mean, what are they, I mean, come on. You, I just think Will Leach is just, he's, che- he's checked out, man. You, you would not shop Chris Middleton around first. I have no explanation. I, I don't know what to tell you. Is this going to be sweeter when we win this? That's, I know, that's, I know, that's my only It's response. really, I, that's really just, not okay. I mean, I didn't really work myself up yet over this. Now I'm getting worked up. And I'm going to say the more you think about it, then maybe. Oh, it's a ter- I mean, it's just gifting somebody an extra. It's, it's just like, okay, well, so Jonah's starting with, you know, $300 in Fab, and we're starting at 260 or something. You know, it's just gifting somebody extra, you know. And Ploof is worthless. Ploof is waiver wire. In our, I mean, in to, our- be clear, to be clear, um, Middleton's had more fantasy value this year than Rudy Gobert, Carmelo Anthony, Serge Ibaka. Yeah, of I mean, course. I mean, I mean Kyrie Irving, our number two overall pick in League of Leagues. He's had more advantage fantasy yeah. value on a per game basis. I'm not saying overall. Right. Missed time has nothing to do with this. Right. I'm saying on a per game basis. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. He's having a great year, and he's going to be good next year. Yes, he's going to be good it's next a, year. It's just, I mean, how is that? Nobody says shit. This is one of the peeves I have in life. Like, I say shit every time this happens, and I didn't. I kind of missed it. I may say something nonetheless a week late. But nobody says shit about anything. 
there was this guy, and I talked about this on the XM show. People are probably sick of hearing it, but he's in my home league, and we had our draft, and it's like a long ass draft because some of the guys are kind of novices, and it takes like hour. You know, there's no real time limit on the picks. It really gets annoying. It's, it takes forever. But this one guy, this lawyer who was letting the league, and he had won it the year before. And there's something annoying about him also that I can't remember the year before. He was a dick about something else, but I can't remember. He got wasted. He was like, I'm fucked up. I'm wasted. And he kept like his phone would die. And then he'd have to like call back. And we're all waiting on this guy. It literally added an hour to our draft day, to our draft night, which was already five hours. And, you know, nobody says anything to him. I would have just kicked him out of the league. I guess we needed to keep him last year. Anyway, so this year... Everybody's like emailing about the dates that we can do it. And he emails, can't do this date, this date, this date, and this date. And I emailed everybody, reply all, be sure to exclude the dates that you're going to be drunk also so you won't waste everybody's time again. And he emails back some lame like, ha ha or something like that. But, you know, and one guy emailed me privately and said, touche or something, right? right? Nobody else said a goddamn word. I thought like 20 people were going to be like, yeah, seriously, dude, don't do that shit again. Nobody said anything, and nobody would have said anything to that guy if I didn't do it, right? No, I'm the only one who said anything. I'm the only one who says something about these trades. It's like nobody – people just go along to get along, and the results are disastrous for everybody. A bunch of cowards. You're a hero. I, I, hear, I, I agree. I, no, that's only part of my point, that. That's only part of my point. My other part of my point is why is it the case that nobody says anything? That's a great question. I wish I knew. I, I, I'm as infuriated as you. I, I, don't, I don't understand either. That guy's a selfish douchebag. I mean, he just knew that he was wasting everyone's time and never apologized, never, you know, whatever. He just like, and everyone's just going to let that be. I just don't understand, man. I don't understand. It's why we have the health insurance that we have. It's just because people are like, oh, I guess I got to figure out my deductible, my copay, and pay this big thing, and uh, how does it work? What's my max out of pocket? And is this provider car? You know that kind of shit that people deal with in their daily lives, which is like the most, the stupidest thing ever that we're dealing with that kind of garbage. The only reason we have that is because people just somehow say, like, allow okay, it. allow it. They allow it. Like it's like there's people, and I get into this with with Heather. You know, Heather does it a little bit, so I'm kind of dissing Heather, but whatever. She doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, they'll drive in traffic for like an hour and a half to commute, or an hour to commute. You know, every day. And they're just like, okay, that's just my job. It's just where it is. You know, like, okay, that's just like that frustration of that stop, start, some, there's some accident, you got a detour around here, there's like three cars trying to get by. That daily stress and frustration is just something they accept as part of their lives. Because that's, you have, as far as commuting, you have to accept that or you'd be, in, you know, you'd lose your mind. No, I mean, why not just get a job that's closer or move closer or do something different? <laughs> I mean, I don't. pretty stupid, okay. I'm just saying, like, like they just say, well, this is just how it is. Okay. You know, it's a little different example, but my point is, yeah, just, that's a little different because sometimes you just have to, you know, I mean, I'm just saying in traffic, no, but just, I mean, I understand short term sucking it up for a bad situation, but that cannot be your life. You know, you have to be like, no, I, I cannot do, I, I'm, this is, this. you know, I'll go, I'll be homeless. That's it. I'm homeless. It's a better All right. choice. All, All right. right. So that's really all I got to say about that. All right. Are we done? We're we're gonna, we're, we're want to talk done. some politics or we're done? I think, I think this is we're that done. Was, that was good. I said All what right. I had to say about the politics earlier. Feel the burn. By the time this is posted, it'll be too late. I hope you 25-year-olds put down the bong and go out and vote in the primary because – Not they, looking good. It's not? It's already having some returns? Not looking good. From today's returns or just from before? Uh, I'm just saying in gen- the last few days. No, don't listen. Don't listen to that shit, dude. The New York Times is like throw- all those people. They're all owned by the corporations that they're donors to Hillary. The lobbyists that work for her campaign are also lobbyists and donors and owners and executives for those companies. So all that shit in the media, like ah, it's over. It's bullshit. He's up by like she's up by like twenty delegates. That super delegate shit is just total bullshit. Don't worry about that. That can change any time. Right. Obama was losing on those delegates, and of course they flip. Those are spineless, soulless pieces of shit. Those delegates. Don't worry <laughs> about that. Okay? It's, all right, it's, okay. it's the actual voted delegates, and that doesn't mean shit. And, and they're really trying to dispirit any challenge. They're trying to say, okay, now she's turning to the general against Trump. It's over. It's over because South Carolina, South Carolina is a, a, a state that the Democrats will not win no matter what. So it's like she's carrying these states that are totally worthless in the general election, right? And they have a few, uh, you know, primary votes, but they're not going to – come on. There's California, New York. That's – you know, those are the states that are going to matter, right? Although the Democrats are going to carry those probably no matter what also. 
Anyway, don't buy that shit. Don't buy that media. All right. Okay, bullshit. I like it. All right. Don't I be like propagandized, it. man. Don't do okay. it. Okay. All right. I feel I've, the burn. I've, All right. I hope, I hope these dudes put down the bong long enough to go. You know, and if you're too high, it's hard to deal with the polling place. And what do I do here? And I don't know. And what, what's going on? Um, but I think uh, they can do it. They need to. If they do show up, he's going to do really well. It's up to them. When I was 25, I didn't vote. So I was today on the XM show. I was trying to say, look, I'm trying to say something that my 25 year old self, if I were listening, would actually respond to. And I don't know. There is something that I could say because I, I just like feel it. like I don't <laughs> care. But hopefully things have gotten worse. Uh, since things have gotten worse, they will. Uh, be more responsive than I was. I like it. All right, man. We'll talk next week. All right. See you, Liz. All right. See you, Dalton. This podcast was brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now, special offer for new users, get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up uh, You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's over $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. Fandle.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.